0: on fucking Sanders is more of a doctor than Jill Biden.
1: Hey, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Elliot.
0: And I'm Audrey.
1: And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get to know the lesser-known facts and uh, not-so-pleasant deeds of history's most notable people.
0: Yeah, the real-life bad behavior that history books, pop culture, you know, folklore leaves out.
1: Well, let's be more specific here. Mm -hmm. Folklore included a lot of bad behavior.
0: My apologies to the folklore enthusiasts.
1: Yeah, so you don't want to piss off the Taylor Swift fans.
0: Oh, that folklore. (laughs) You know, ah... They're just sad. They're not even listening to this podcast yet. We haven't recovered. There's that one and then the second one. If you're listening to this and you are on the other side of the second Taylor Swift album, I commend you for getting out of bed today. (laughs) It was hard for me. Speaking of Christmas. Oh, yeah. Love it.
1: We've been getting into the holiday spirit.
0: We have. The Uh, very best we can. Yes.
1: What are your favorite... uh, Traditions, I guess, mm. to get there. Because I got to tell you, it doesn't feel that festive by default this year.
0: It doesn't. Um, you know, as a kid, I enjoyed a number of holiday-themed movies. Mm. The claymation Rudolph sticks out.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: As being predominant, um, I know a lot of folks get into the holiday spirit by indulging in. What is essentially like the ugly Christmas sweater of television, just like Lifetime movies. (laughs) Like the
1: really trashy stuff.
0: Yeah, or just like, it's kitsch, but we love it. And, you know, I know a lot of folks enjoy that sort of stuff. And that's why this year, Lifetime was like, you know what we're going to do instead of kitsch? Really fucking weird. We're going all the way in on 2020, making the most bizarre holiday love movie ever.
1: Yeah, uh, I got to say, when I I saw this, I literally just thought it was an internet meme. I did not think it was an actual real thing.
0: You were not alone in that. Most of the internet thought this was a joke.
1: Yes, it seems like a joke.
0: And then this that we're referring to is the... Colonel Sanders-themed romance movie featuring Mario Lopez as a young, buff Colonel Sanders.
1: The You're leaving out the best part. You're leaving out the title.
0: Recipe for Seduction. Oh. Or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Which inevitably brings us to this week's hero.
0: Mm-hmm. The inspiration behind this week's hero. I saw the memes... I saw the hashtags, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's been on our list for a while. Now is a really good time to jump on the fact that there's this really bizarre movie that is almost as bizarre as the real Colonel Sanders story. No. Yes, I learned so much this week, and the theme of this episode— is chaos. Just top-to-bottom chaos.
1: (laughs) Man, I love this chaotic energy. I love those episodes.
0: All right, so let's dig in. This week's hero, Colonel Sanders. What do you know about him?
1: I know that he was a... He's not just like a mascot. I know he was the founder of the KFC Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant, and... I do know that he started it later in his life. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I mean, that's basically what I know about him.
0: Okay. That's probably what most people know about him. They know what he looks like or the likeness of him as a caricature. So let's dig in. Born with the real name Harland. Harland Sanders. Harland Sanders? Yes. He, uh, (laughs) this might surprise (laughs) you, his... Birth name isn't Colonel. (laughs) What do you know? What do you know? (laughs) We'll get to the Colonel part later, but he's born Harlan Sanders in Indiana, September 9th, 1890. And I can think of few of our heroes who would hate this next section more. Audrey's Astrology Corner. As a Virgo born on September 9th, their willpower and organizational skills are among their greatest talents. They impress others with their ability to work tirelessly in the face of tough ta- challenges, and they can bring control to almost any situation, especially when leading others is involved.
1: Well, you don't get to be the colonel of a nation of chicken without being able to lead others. So,
0: <laughs> especially during uh, during tough challenges,
1: exactly.
0: He's born the oldest of three. His family is very religious, strong work ethic. His father was a farmer and then at one point breaks his leg, so he becomes a butcher. When Sanders, Harland, is five, his father dies. This meant that his mother had to go work in a tomato canning factory. And so she did what every mother of three young children does, and she leaves her five-year-old in charge.
1: Wait, the the
0: oldest of the three is five? Mm-hmm. So Harland is five. He has two younger siblings. They're like babies, and he's in charge.
1: Well, I mean, those tomatoes aren't going to can themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. On the plus side, he kept his siblings alive. That's good. Uh, downside was that they often had to forage for food because their mother would leave four days and weeks at a time.
1: Whoa, wait. Leave for weeks at a time with a
0: five-year-old in charge? hmm Had to grow up fast back then. <laughs> Real fast. And so throughout his childhood, he's in and out of school working as a farmhand, doing all sorts of odd jobs. His mother eventually remarries, and he and his stepfather do not get along because, I mean, Harlan's been man of the house since he's five
1: five. years old. Yes.
0: So when he's 13, he doesn't really like this other man coming in and saying, No, I'm an actual fucking adult. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to do things. But he drops out of school. This is part of his big, like, mythos, is that he is a sixth grade, seventh grade dropout. That's as high as he high in education as he ever got in my mind i'm thinking about this the seventh grader who has been a father for eight years (laughs) he feels like he's like a middle-aged man leaving middle school (laughs) yes yes but at 13 he he's like i know how to make money i have these skills it's 1903 i hate my stepdad i'm leaving and so he moves out for good throughout his teenage years as one would expect he mostly just works odd jobs right he's a like i said day laborer etc but at 16 he lies about his age to get into the army he serves less than a year and he's stationed in cuba of all places i don't know why i didn't look more into this but at after a year he's honorably discharged and is that is that normal None of this is normal. (laughs) No part of this is normal. I don't know what 1906 army protocols in Cuba were for children who should not have been (laughs) enlisted in the first place.
1: Maybe just find out exactly how old he is. That's all it takes.
0: (laughs) So at 17, he gets this position working on the railroad and he loves it. Turn of the century, railroads booming he talks about how all his friends were jealous that he got to go work on the railroad. And essentially, what he's doing is just shoveling ash out of the ovens when they pull into the station so there can be more room for coal later.
1: Wait, so he's not like riding on the trains the whole trips. He's just like they stop. He's a janitor. He cleans up the. Okay, got it, got mm-hmm. it.
0: But he, he liked it. He was, however, a very difficult employee. And this is the first of many jobs for which he would later be fired on account of chronic insubordination.
1: How much is there to to not listen to if your whole job is to shovel the ash out of the furnace?
0: This is the um, most boring of all of the ways he loses jobs from now until his death <laughs> when he's 90. <laughs> Talking back to his boss is the, the most boring way that he got he got ousted from a job. Got it. Got it. At 20, he meets this woman named Josephine. They get married. Um, by then, he's got another job working on another railroad. Um, but for whatever reason, when he gets married, they start having kids. He decides he's going to be a firefighter. Okay. He's a firefighter for a bit. And then he gets fired from that job for um physically brawling with a number of other colleagues <laughs> like fist fights and so his wife at this point they've got 3 kids her husband has these like random jobs he's very hot tempered she Is not having it. She is a a woman ahead of her time. She takes her kids. She moves to her parents' house. She's like, I will not be doing this. Get your shit together. You're 25 years old. You're basically 50.
1: Yeah, in life experience. You should know better. You've been a father before. What's your problem?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You've already raised other children. You know that you have to keep a job. So meanwhile, Sanders has been studying law by correspondence.
1: Wait, the Furnace Guy firefighter is also studying law?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. By correspondence, again, which seems like a fine way, for example, for Walt Disney to become a cartoonist. Hey, look, I I feel like this is like the getting your degree online of the time, all right?
1: <laughs> like, sure, maybe not top-tier institutions all around, but I'm sure there's some respectable people who have.
0: Totally. You know what? I I don't mean to education shame. I'm just saying the outcome of his correspondence <laughs> course law degree is exactly what you would expect. He starts practicing law in Arkansas, where you don't have to pra- pass the bar or be accepted into the bar. That's a phrase, right? Like- yeah,
1: pass the bar exam, be accepted into the bar. Yes.
0: If the only place you want to work is the justice of the peace. Okay. So he's a justice of the peace lawyer, and he does this for three years until... He gets into a fist fight with his own client in court.
1: (laughs) Wait, in front of the judge?
0: Yes. (laughs) So charges are pressed against him. He, like, pays a fine for assault, and he's no longer allowed to practice (laughs) law in Arkansas.
1: That will do it. That will do it.
0: And um, that was basically the only place where he could have practiced law as a, a justice of the peace. Anyway, his reputation as a lawyer suffers is suffers from this? Tarnish. You
1: don't say. Let me guess. He then goes on to pass the bar with flying colors and practice law in other prestigious places.
0: Never. <laughs> Never of he course. then goes on to have a very brief stint as an insurance salesman but was again fired for insubordination. <laughs> okay. So, he does what every firefighter turned disgraced lawyer does. And he decides he is going to launch a ferry boat company. Oh, yeah, of course. Kentucky to Ohio, crossing the river. He sees a need. And this business actually does well. This is like the first time that he has a business that does well.
1: It seems like there are several kinds of entrepreneurs. And he's definitely the kind uh, out of pure necessity because he is... Physically incapable of working for anyone else for longer than like five minutes.
0: (laughs) Yes. By then, he's making enough money and seems stable enough that his wife and kids return. The ferryboat business does really well. And through it, he forms some sort of connection with some political folks. And he ends up in this like secretary slash cabinet position in the Chamber of Commerce in a small town in Indiana. He's so bad at it that he leaves <laughs> in less than a year. He was like, admittedly, I did not like this. I was bad at it. I, and on the like high key, I did not care about it.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to what I said. Incapable of working for anybody else. Indeed.
0: He also does not want to continue running this ferryboat business. So he sells it for, this is um 1925. Twenty-four, twenty-five. He sells it for twenty-two thousand dollars. Oh no, it's nineteen twenty-two. He sells it for twenty-two thousand dollars. Any idea how much money that is in twenty-twenty money?
1: A million dollars.
0: Three hundred and thirty thousand. Okay. okay. So that is a substantial amount of money. Yeah. For this man to have at one time,
1: especially for a disgraced former lawyer slash firefighter.
0: Correct. So he's thirty-two. He decides he's going to use this money to launch a lamp slash light slash lantern business that almost uh, immediately goes out of business. Okay,
1: okay, that's that would have been my first guess.
0: Because there's electricity now. Oh, bad timing. <laughs> bad timing. Bad timing. <laughs> bad timing. Back to square one. He picks a family up, moves them back to Kentucky. He gets a job selling Michelin tires.
1: Can we just pause for a second? Mm-hmm. The thing I'm already noticing here is that the prospect of some woman just being madly wildly attracted to this man (laughs) seems so ridiculous at this point like it seems like the only woman in his life is basically just like can you have your shit together for five minutes long enough to feed our kids or no and he's like repeatedly absolutely not like no absolutely not
0: i mean some people love the drama i
1: mean that's true
0: and maybe Josephine liked a bad boy, Lil' Wild Side. I guess we'll find out if we watch a Lifetime movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Honestly, I'm a little disappointed that you haven't watched it for research at this stage.
0: That would put me so far out of the Christmas spirit. <laughs> I don't think I could recover in time for Santa to
1: show up. We're going to do it. We're going to do it.
0: Back in Kentucky, he's selling Michelin tires. He's actually pretty good at it. He's a good salesman. Let Let's get that established. Once he gets into this position of sales... He realizes he's, apart from his hot temper, he's really just.
1: Aside from the fist fights with customers, <laughs> he's doing great. <laughs> doing
0: great. He's good at it. But this career ends when he gets in a car wreck and he's injured and he can't afford another car. So instead of Michelin being like, hey, we'll get you a car. You're a good salesman. They were like, nah, we found a replacement. Good luck. Yikes. Fortunately, through his connections with the tire people, he um, ends up knowing a lot of men who own gas stations or gas station companies. And from 1927 to 1930, he's running a standard oil gas station. But do you know what happens right around 1930?
1: Um, we are seeing the Great
0: Depression. The Great Depression. And that has a major impact <laughs> on the number of cars people are driving. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Bad luck, number one. But then things start to take kind of a really interesting turn. Another man was like, hey, my gas station's doing fine. All you have to do is move to this really unstable, um, Less than idyllic city in Kentucky. And I'll let you run my Shell gas station there. And he describes this town as being known for, quote, bootleggers and gunfights.
1: Oh, okay, So
0: fun. One, I'm here for that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Two, this feels like adding lighter fluid (laughs) (laughs) to a personality that is already up in flames. Or he's like...
1: Somebody who's finally found home, Mm -hmm. who's struggled to fit in everywhere else, and finally will be at peace among people like him.
0: Just you wait. (laughs) He's got this gas station. He decides to start selling food from the counter to make a little extra money. He really enjoyed cooking as a kid because he fucking had to. Yes, to
1: survive. <laughs> I have fond memories of feeding myself when I was about to die of starvation. And man, that really left an imprint on me, you know?
0: He's pretty good at it. Sure, and sure. And he has a counter space, does this. It's pretty successful. But then there's this competing gas station that starts painting over this sign that's Sanders had kind of taken over and was like, my gas station's this way. And the competing gas station person was like, my gas station's this way. And they went back and forth, painting over the sign a few times. No shit. It causes a lot of tension. But instead of solving this problem like normal fucking people, they shoot each other. Wait, what? (laughs) Well, actually, Sanders shoots this man, whose last name is Stewart, and Stewart shoots and kills another man that was with Sanders at the shootout.
1: Oh, okay, so he, like, shoots the wrong person.
0: Indeed. Stewart is convicted of murder, and of this time, my man, uh, Colonel Sanders, says, quote, well, that eliminated my competition in Corbin. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, effective, (laughs) effective.
0: At the same time, this, I'm sure made more popular by the the infamous owner who's willing to shoot people for it, his little countertop restaurant is kind of growing in popularity.
1: Also, all the signs point to it
0: now. (laughs) No confusion. Very easy to find. (laughs) He specializes in fried chicken and things like country ham, but fried chicken is where it's at for him. That's where it starts at. That's where it ends at. We all know the story. Inexplicably, around this time, also, the governor—this is when he gets the honorarium, Colonel of Kentucky—the first time he gets this twice. Two governors give him his honorarium.
1: Wait, so the, he did serve in the military underage way back in the day, but he did not serve as a teenage boy who was illegally like uh, young. He did not earn the the. The rank of colonel at that time?
0: No, he was Harlan Sanders up until 1935, which is, he's like 45 at this point. Apparently, this specific governor gave out thousands of these honorariums. You can, at the time, just call, give someone the honorarium colonel. So this is just like an honorary title? Indeed. If you're from Kentucky, I would like to know if this is still something your governor could do. And if so, who is the last person to become a colonel?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. At the time that he gets this honorary title of colonel, the thing that he has done to earn it Mm -hmm. is to run a
0: gas station where he sells food. He's also doing this other side hustle that is considered a great service to his community. And this is more or less why he gets this honorarium. 1935 WPA lots of folks coming through Kentucky working on the roads lots of men have wives and he learns that there are a lot of women who are about to give birth but have kind of like no help to do it and he says to himself I a failed insurance salesman and gas station cook I'm going to self-appoint myself a midwife.
1: Wait, wait, he's going to deliver these babies?
0: The exact quote is, So I got me a lard bucket and puts in my shears and gauze and Vaseline and kept it ready. When I got a call, I would grab that bucket and take off.
1: Wait, what the fuck is a lard bucket?
0: Well, the rest of the quote goes, Oh, I knowed a little bit about it, enough to get the job done. But I don't know much... Of what anything he just (laughs) said, he grabs a bucket. I imagine it's an empty lard bucket. Is Uh, it empty
1: or is it with lard? Is he somehow using lard in these deliveries? My man's.
0: I don't (laughs) know. But he is contributing this service to his community. And so he is Colonel. He just decides to be a midwife. What he he said, I grabbed my shears. I was like, what the fuck are you doing with shears? You know what this actually made me think of? This is serendipitous timing. It made me think about this absurd Joseph Epstein op-ed this week about Jill Biden not being a real doctor oh, yes. because she hadn't <laughs> delivered a baby. And I thought to myself, <laughs> so by Epstein's logic, Colonel, Colonel Sanders <laughs> is a doctor. Colonel fucking Sanders is more of a doctor than Jill Biden. <gasps> oh,
1: That is the world we live in.
0: Okay. And we're on. he's not even 50 yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so there he goes. So for his service with his lard bucket and shears, mm-hmm. the governor gives him the honorary title of Colonel Sanders.
0: Yes. So he's cooking. He's delivering babies. It's about this time he hires this woman named Claudia to help his wife. He's gone a lot. Got a lot of jobs. Birth is unpredictable, just as you do. And you know, Josephine and Harland slash Colonel, they've got some kids.
1: I don't think you would say. Cur- I think we have to call him the
0: Colonel. The Colonel, right from the jump, Sanders starts sleeping with Claudia. And here is what Colonel Sanders' daughter later said about the situation. Quote. It was evident from the beginning that Claudia's presence would create turmoil. Mother refused to accept that she alone could not satisfy father's physical needs, which from the very beginning of their marriage had seemed excessive to her. (laughs) Neither promiscuous nor a whoremonger, father nevertheless had a libido which required a healthy, willing partner, and he found one in young Claudia. I don't think that's information that your daughter (laughs) should be telling newspapers. (laughs) (laughs) Telling the newspaper? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, not at the time, but later. Sure, sure. And like, I don't know, features, profiles.
1: Yeah, that's a little weird.
0: There are actually a lot of accounts of Colonel Sanders being both a serial philanderer and by some accounts committing sexual assault more than once. I could not find credible
1: corroborating in- evidence.
0: there It's referenced a lot in like biographies and autobi and Colonel Sanders' autobiography talking about his affair with Claudia. But I did not have time to read multiple biographies about okay. Colonel Sanders okay. this week. And so it seems well known that he had an affinity for seeing beautiful women physically, sexually assaulting them. And also having lots of affairs. If you want the actual specific details, you'll have to read a real book about it.
1: But you're already here listening to us, so it kind of goes without saying, you're not really a book person, are you?
0: We're better than books. Better than books. You can write that down. Tell your local librarian. (laughs) (laughs) The affair with Claudia started in the mid to late 30s. Around the same time, in 1939, his gas station the one that he like started selling the chicken at, mm-hmm. burned down on Thanksgiving.
1: On Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm.
0: He has the resources, fortunately, to like rebuild a new restaurant there.
1: I mean, yeah, he's not just got the chicken money. He's got the baby lard money. <laughs> <There
0: you go. laughs> it's not a gas station anymore. It's a real restaurant. He
1: built it up better than ever. Better than ever. Get rid of the gas part. Chicken's where the money is.
0: He also, for some reason, buys a hotel in North Carolina. Wait, he's
1: living in Kentucky?
0: Yeah, it's just very erratic. The decisions that he makes. Ferry boat, restaurant, hotel. (laughs) And for a while, the hotel is a pretty big success. Then the United States enters a war in the early 1940s. Gas was rationed and tourism dried up. So his hotel goes under
1: (laughs) yeah not great timing again
0: i couldn't figure out exactly why but it seems like after the hotel goes under even though he still has this restaurant in corbin that he's having folks run he takes on more odd jobs like it's he's not just at the restaurant for some reason he moves to seattle until 1942 like he
1: moves
0: to Seattle. Yes, he runs cafeterias for the government and and then he does some ordinance work in Tennessee. He manages a cafeteria there.
1: So wait, uh, these are like military service jobs. They're not like he's not like a soldier, but he's like doing like military adjacent stuff all over the country.
0: It seems like it. Or okay. government stuff. Yeah. For this period of time. This was a really opaque part of my research where I was like I didn't seem to be a lot of explanation for why this was happening.
1: I mean, I'm assuming if he's doing, yeah, let's just assume, you know, some combination of doing his duty and like random business opportunities where he can leave the chicken thing on its own and go make some money elsewhere.
0: Indeed. And it seems like that's what he did. Most of his kids are grown at this point. He's still married to Josephine, but he... Continues his relationship with Claudia. Everything's kind of hanging on by a thread. Yikes. And so by 1947, Sanders and Josephine get a divorce. This is after 37 years of marriage.
1: Yeah, she's been there since the first time he couldn't keep his shit together. Through the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth times he can't keep his shit together. <laughs>
0: Right. Claudia's only been there for like one or two Exactly,
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: He ends up marrying Claudia in 1949, just two years later. They're together the rest of his life. Again, by all accounts, he sleeps around on her too. Just know that he has two wives. The second one is Claudia. And this is right before another tragedy strikes his businesses. The cafe was thriving. And right before he reaches this sort of retirement age, he's got money in the bank, this business, what is called a, quote, symbolic of the changing times situation happens. And that is that a highway that was under construction is designed to redirect traffic away from Sanders Restaurant, which he had built on what was previously the main road in this city. If you have traffic bypassing you and people aren't just meandering around trying to find a restaurant, you can't really keep your restaurant afloat. By 1956, he auctions off the business for $75,000, which he said paid for his taxes and outstanding bills. But by then he was 65, he was broke. He had like $105 a month in social security that he was collecting. And he had to start over again. This is when he has this idea to franchise his chicken. Not create franchise restaurants, but to franchise this proprietary blend of herbs and spices and this specific way of cooking it. So when he was working at gas stations, he had seen the franchise model work. So that's where like the first seed was planted. McDonald's was starting to get popular at this time. So he's seeing franchised restaurants. The highway system that
1: he saw take away the business from his last place is leading to this pop up of like, oh, standardized road stops across America. Mm -hmm.
0: But he's not interested in opening more restaurants because he's 65. He's like, I've done this shit before. The thing I'm good at is cooking chicken in a very specific way with a pressure cooker, these special spices and a very unique technique. And so what he does is he travels around the country, sleeping in his car basically at 65, pitching to restaurants, I will teach you how to do this. I will help you get a pressure cooker. I will train your staff. And what you will do is for every chicken that you sell, you'll give me five cents. That's a franchise model, that's it. You can have it in whatever building you want, You just have to label it, featuring Colonel Sanders' recipe, Kentucky Fried Chicken.
1: And he thinks this is going to have the nickels per chicken just rolling in. Mm -hmm. This is his master plan.
0: Yep. So his goal originally was to get just 10 restaurants to agree to this. Okay. His first franchisee is this man named Pete Harmon. And it's all the way out in Salt Lake City. This had a very unique effect in that people in Utah were like real Kentucky fried chicken, like authentic Kentucky fried chicken, fried chicken from the South. Not like Utah fried chicken, like you don't know how to do it, but like the real deal, we're gonna get that here situation. So the branding worked. The branding worked. Chicken sales through the roof at this one restaurant. And this franchisee, Pete, decided, okay, so what I'm gonna do, because I already have these restaurants, is I am going to open restaurants that just sell Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're just going to be called Kentucky Fried Chicken. And it's going to be all Colonel Sanders branding and his stuff, but like my franchise model is to give him five cents and do whatever I want with however many people sit here, who comes, like that sort of stuff, right? He also shifts the focus of these restaurants to be takeout so that you could go get all of this chicken and take it home to your large family. I see. You don't have to take your whole fucking Mormon family to the fried chicken restaurant. You
1: don't have to have a huge place with a bunch of seats and paying a bunch of rent. You Mm -hmm. just come by, pick up a bunch and take it home.
0: Yes. Colonel Sanders is like, oh, that's a pretty smart idea. As I'm traveling around, I'll encourage other people to do this. And by 1964, there are 600 locations across the country that are using some form of this proprietary Colonel Sanders recipe Kentucky Fried Chicken branding recipe paying him five cents a chicken.
1: Wait, so he gets the first six hundred places that mm-hmm. are all doing this restaurant with his face on it.
0: No, they don't all have his face on it. They're all selling
1: his chicken at his, least
0: his product. But the chicken is his, like yeah. Yes. But he
1: hasn't had to open a single restaurant. Mm-mm. They're they're actually taking him up on this. Yes, that's crazy to me that you're willing to pay royalties on a. On a recipe.
0: Like, well, that's that's nuts. I, I don't... A lot of places were not doing fried chicken at that time. Sure. Right? Um, and especially not sort of fast casual stuff. It was also a very unique franchise model because as this fast food franchise model grew, it grew in the McDonald's style, which was you invest in the property and you pay us for branding up front and then you give us a percentage. Colonel Sanders was like, I don't care about that. I just want a little bit from every piece of chicken that you're selling using my product. He's 74 at this point and he realizes that he has uh, no ability to manage all of these relationships.
1: Yeah, there's no a <laughs> huge no way. business
0: and he doesn't want to either. He sells the KFC product for 2 million dollars to a group of investors. And a lot of this is at the urging of Pete, who opened the original, like, this is just a fried chicken restaurant. Any idea how much money he would have made today?
1: Um, $2 million in what year?
0: 1964.
1: Uh, I think it's like 10 times from the 60s. I'm going to say $20 million from that
0: sale. $15 million. Close.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So he sells the business, but he stays on as the spokesperson. They're like, hey, you have a brand. You have a real specific look. Yeah, can we just talk about the fact that he... I, I didn't put this
1: together. He was born around the turn of the century, but this is all happening in the 60s, and in the 60s, he chooses this, like, antebellum, like...
0: Three-piece white three suit.
1: Three-piece pre-Civil War. Like, nobody was dressing like that in the 60s. no. But,
0: And he's full Guy Fieri in his beard and mustache. (laughs) His hair is white, but he had to bleach his mustache and his little (sighs) goatee. Oh, yeah. He wears these white wool suits during the winter, white linen ones during the summer. After the 60s, he's never seen in public not wearing this. Oh, my God. He is full on brand. And so he's doing this for a few years. And you would think like, okay, you're 75, 80, just retire. You have $15 million.
1: Yeah, go live the good life.
0: No. For whatever reason, he was incapable of doing this. Still the face of this company, but something starts to really rub him the wrong way about this. As I mentioned, he did not like the franchise model of the McDonald's of the time. He thought it was big corporations, you know, being kind of sleazy. But suddenly he found himself the face of one.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what he signed up for.
0: And this caused a lot of tension. And so what he wanted to do was sort of distance himself from the original KFC while maintaining this persona of Colonel Sanders. He tries to open a sit-down restaurant called Colonel Sanders Dinner House. And KFC was like, what the fuck, dude?
1: Yeah, turns out.
0: We bought you. We bought KFC... And that includes the name Sanders, and your likeness. And so, Colonel Sanders was like, "All right, well then I'll call it Colonel's Ladies Dinner House." And then KFC was like,
1: "Ladies Dinner House."
0: Colonel's Ladies. (laughs) Two apostrophes. Colonel's has an apostrophe, like he owns the ladies. (laughs) Nice. The ladies (laughs) has an apostrophe, like. They have the dinner house. So it's Colonel's Ladies dinner, dinner House. It's the dinner house
1: of the ladies of the colonel. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Right.
0: How how many ladies is have? <laughs> okay. Anyway, Colonel's Ladies Dinner House. And then the company uh argues back, "No, we own the rights to the word colonel." And so Sanders was like, "The hell you do?" And he sues the company for $122 million for interfering with what he perceives to be his ability to franchise a new chicken operation.
1: Yeah, a competing one.
0: Mm -hmm. They go back and forth. Eventually, this is settled in 1975. They reach a settlement. I'll tell you what. There's not a Colonel's Ladies Dinner House anywhere around here. (laughs) There's
1: not. There's not.
0: Seems like uh, maybe the big corporation one. Yeah, maybe so. He's 85 at this point. Imagine being 85 being like, the thing I want to do is sue KFC for the word Colonel. But he does. Whatever. What would you do, Elliot, at 85, after you've spent your life being a client-punching, hot-tempered philanderer.
1: And I have every intention to. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I would go buy a house in Cabo and drink margaritas on the beach.
0: Sounds way better than what he did, which was get super religious.
1: Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Picks takes 85 to be the time to get right with Jesus. That's when he's going to turn
1: it around. (laughs) Well, staring down the barrel of mortality.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And do you want to know the thing, the crux of this trying to, to get right with Jesus, sort of like at the center of what he was trying to atone for?
1: Killing all those chickens?
0: Mm-mm. You know what? But I would have a word with him about <laughs> that. Any guesses?
1: Uh, not, not the decades-long affairs or philandering?
0: No. Cursing.
1: Cursing? Oh, of course. Why didn't I think of that?
0: So in the last few years of his life, he brings up in multiple interviews, multiple places, that the thing he regrets most, or one of the things he regrets most, is that he had an inability to stop cursing when he was younger. What? I know. In this rambling, kind of bizarre 1979 interview on a, Japanese Evangelical Christian Program.
1: Man, I gotta see an episode of this.
0: <laughs> Colonel Sanders says, quote, I knew it was wrong. I couldn't quit. I started when I was real young. It was the one thing that kept me from being whole with God. So I'm just
1: trying to imagine if you are someone who lacks some context here. you It's 1979. Mm-hmm. You turn on the television... It is a show that is in Japanese from Japan, like Japanese preachers, but then it's Colonel Sanders yeah, being like, this is the thing that kept me from being right with God. You're like, what? I didn't even know he had something. And then he's like cursing. Just like when all of those stars aligned, I don't know if I would have been able to hold on to reality or if I would have just lost grip.
0: Yeah, I know. And I just really feel like of all the things you did, Jesus does not give a fuck about you cursing. <laughs> That's not where he's going to, like, spend his time worrying about you, sir. No. Okay, so it's the end of his life at this point. Don't know if he ever got right with Jesus about the cursing. But in 1980, at the age of 90, he dies of leukemia. So 1980, right? That's like, I don't want to say this number out loud, but that's 40 years ago.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And his likeness lives on. It is... Ubiquitous. Everybody knows it.
1: It is perpetually owned by the KFC Taco Bell Federation or something. (laughs) Yeah. Frito-Lay, whoever owns this conglomerate, against his wishes just plastered on every highway sign.
0: Yep. Indeed. So, there you have it. For all of the chaos, the cheating, the shooting competitors, etc., Colonel Sanders is not my hero.
1: The fact that you just petting it, et there, and you did not explicitly call out the baby lard, oh. is a real disappointment to me. <laughs> the
0: fake midwifery. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my God. I'm just not going to get over that. Like, I just, he's like, this sucker's not coming out. He didn't have forceps. He just had a tub of baby lard. No, he Make had lard
0: like, and shears. <laughs> oh God. Shears that's what he said he had a bucket with shears i'll tell you what also just the idea having given birth the idea of being at that stage of labor and looking down and seeing (laughs) colonel sanders between your legs (laughs) as you were birthing a child (laughs) what a nightmare just what a nightmare
1: Okay, so hear me out on this business idea.
0: Okay. Sue KFC for the likeness.
1: Sue KFC for the likeness. Or make the case that, like you can with copyrights, they're only using it for restaurants. They're not using it for a midwifery franchise. Mm. And then we can make this dream come true for countless women.
0: We'll just call it Colonel's Ladies Dinner House. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be, you know, one for the books.
1: If uh, listeners wanna keep up with our Colonel's Ladies Dinner House Midwifery adventure, where can they find us?
0: Four season plans <laughs> <laughs> is in that same vein. They can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Heroes Pod. And on our website, MeetYourHeroespodcast.com. Until they decide to do that, we're just gonna sit here by ourselves, watch the sixteen-minute lifetime horror film. <laughs> and um, wait for someone to give us a review and validate us and give us that little boost of dopamine that we need to get through the final weeks of 2020.
1: It's almost over.
0: But until next week,
1: don't be a hero.
0: Don't be a hero. Bye.